Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And one of the first podcasts I was ever on years ago was a podcast hosted by a guy named Stephen Leahy. And I have wanted to have him as a guest on this show ever since I started Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do because I'm a big believer in you dance with the one who brung you. And he was one of the first podcasters who ever interviewed me and kind of gave me that little bug about maybe I want to do my own show. And it's taken me till I think this is episode about 97, 98. So we're closing in on number 100 very quickly. And before I got to number 100, I had to have Steven on the show. So he is a wealth of information. He works as a corporate recruiter. So he is the guy who helps put the right people in the right seats on the bus in corporations. And then he's also a consultant and helps small businesses learn sort of how to do all the crazy things that we have to do to be able to survive. And he's just a really nice guy. And I've found, you know, I just don't have time to interview people who aren't nice. And he comes up to the top of that list of people who are just really, really good people to chat with. So Stephen Leahy, welcome to the show. Well, I'm honored to be here, Tom. And by the way, I, I should tell the listeners, you've been on my podcast twice. And both of those episodes are absolutely must listens because, you know, of course, you know, listening to Tom's podcast now, but Tom always has good things to say. And it's it's no BS. It's basically telling the truth about right. building relationships and networking, which is really one of my favorite subjects. And uh, so I, I admire you, Tom. That's why that's why you were on the podcast, because you're for real. You have integrity. So here, here we are, the Mutual Admiration Society, as we kick off the podcast. Well, thank you. Not all guests, <laughs> not all guests are required to praise me at the beginning of the show, but it's actually a pretty good idea. I think I'm going to start recommending it. No, seriously, thank you so much, and thank you for being here. So I gave a quick little overview. Why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you do in your own words? Well, I've been self-employed for a while, uh, for about 15 years now, and as you said, I currently run two businesses, and uh, there's an executive search firm that I founded in 2000. So I've been doing that uh, since the outset of becoming self-employed. And the other one is a business that basically triggered this interview. And you were part of my podcast that's associated with that business. And it's a consulting practice, but it's very targeted. It's focused on solo professionals. So people who provide some sort of professional service to other businesses and are probably very good at what they do but could use some personalized guidance to make their sales and marketing life easier. Story of my life. Story of my life. <laughs> so, so tell everybody what your podcast is called and how they can find it. Let's just start up front with the, the good news of where to find Stephen. Well, when I, when I launched my new site, I went from uh, my old URL, uh, which was uh, Small Business Talent, to my name, which is Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Leahy, L-A-H-E-Y. So stephenleahy.com is where you'll find the podcast or on iTunes under Smart Solo Business. And it's the Smart Solo Business Podcast. Very cool. So you said that 15 years ago, you started your executive search firm. And so before I kind of get into sort of what led you into doing that, you know, I think executive search is one of the most misunderstood businesses that are out there. In fact, two episodes ago, I interviewed someone who, who runs a speaker's bureau. And I think that's another industry that people know they exist, but they don't really know what they do. So when, when we say executive search, why don't you tell everybody kind of what you do, what, what that's all about? Well, I, I will say this. 
um, uh, went, and her, her name was Vogel, but what was her first name? Yeah, Nancy Vogel runs uh, Nancy Vogel Speakers. She was. I guest. listened to that podcast, and I thought to myself, wow, that's a lot like what an executive search firm does. And yeah. basically, we're, we're matchmakers in the labor market. So imagine that you're a billion-dollar company. In, in the case of my focus, my niche, you're, you're a food company. And your vice president of marketing comes to you and says, uh, sorry to say this, but, you know, I'm leaving. <laughs> Here's my two weeks notice. What happens is then you need to find someone who comes as close as humanly possible to having already done the job that you're going to ask them to do. Because it's risky in the best case scenario to hire somebody because, you know, are they really going to be a match for your culture? Uh, are they really uh, as good as they look on paper and so on? And so that's what I do. I help defray risk on the corporate side. That's why they uh, pay me the big bucks to place people. And for candidates, uh, it's basically a free service because I'm a matchmaker for them too. And the, the misunderstood thing about recruiters is I'm never trying to sort of sell them on why they should leave their company. Because unless they have some kind of systematic blockage at their own company that's preventing them from making progress, it's always a risk. It's a gamble to make a move. But if they do, if they're saying, well, unless my boss gets hit by a bus, I'm staying at where I'm at, <laughs> you know, uh, I can't arrange for their boss to be hit by a bus, nor would I. So I say, maybe you need to start looking outside because, you know, reasonable progress and reasonable time is what is going to show on your resume or not. And, you know, when people start to stagnate, they, they start to get a little concerned and they should, you know, why did I get my MBA if I'm just going to stay at this level and you know, why did I invest all my time and energy in building a career when it's going to stall out? So that's that's what we do. And I think both sides are very important. But, you know, we're paid by the corporations, obviously, not the uh, the candidates. So that's what we do. We, we go out searching and we farm, obviously, our network and get to know people so that we know what the triggers will be that would probably persuade someone that it's time to make a move based on what they tell us. So, Stephen, 15 years ago, you decided to go start this business and launch out on your own. What led you to do that? What led you to be your own boss? Well, let me let me just say this. It, it was a winding road to get to the point where I was ready to become an entrepreneur. And, you know, when I was in college in the 80s, and yes, I am old, I'm 53 years old, I wanted to be a psychologist. You know, that doesn't sound like being an entrepreneur. Uh, it wasn't. And business really wasn't even on my radar screen. And um, I wanted to help people. And so little did I know that you can actually help people in business. But after a few years out of college, uh, I had got involved with Dale Carnegie and Associates and been recruited into their organization after I took a course and really was interested in personal development, was selling sales training. I started to realize the kind of impact that you can have on people with a business. And it was very positive. And that got me thinking about, well, you know, what could I do on my own where I wouldn't have to deal with? politics and all kinds of nonsense that just naturally goes with working for, for someone else. I mean, well, it's just the way it is. And I think a lot of people who listen to the show are in that spot. I mean, I believe there's a lot of people out there who are go, the office politics is killing me. The commute is killing me. The BS is killing me. You know, answering to someone who doesn't really seem to care is killing me. And so I think there's a lot of people out there who are kind of triggered by those things. So what, what, what made you take that leap? Well, ultimately, what happened was I started to say, and this tells you something about my mindset. I'm not like a leap and the net will appear kind of a person. I'm like, really? 
<laughs> so <laughs> you want to, uh, you normally want to build a net and then a subnet yeah, and then maybe have exactly. some foam then down below the net. I mean, yeah. I'm more conservative than a lot of entrepreneurs, at least the stereotypical entrepreneur. But anyway, you know, I started to uh, get calls uh, from recruiters and eventually I started to ask them, so what do you do? And I kind of figured out what they did. It's exactly what I explained to you previously. And uh, then I started looking at uh, working for a search firm. In other words, do I really, really want to do this? And if so, how can I get training? Well, I'm going to need to work for a search firm that I respect. And that's what I did. Eventually, the owners of that uh, franchise, it was a franchise of uh, Management Recruiters International, they bought their way out of the franchise and left New York, moved to California. And long story short, I started my own executive search firm, but I had had the training. So I, I sort of ramped up by learning the business from people who had already been in the business and been successful and had some success myself before I ever started. So can you say, you know, defraying risk? Yeah, that was was what I was trying to do. And what's interesting, though, and this relates to my current business that I started in 2013 as well, um, focused on solos, is that uh, many of the people I recruited, um, and this probably comes as no surprise to people who are in corporate life, uh, became very discouraged and eventually just said, you know what, I'm not moving up, I'm moving out. And they became consultants of one kind or another because these are people who have a lot of credentials. The people I recruit are professional marketers for some some of the top companies in the world. And so they became marketing consultants. They became consultants of various stripes. And since I had a relationship with them already and I knew them through recruiting, a lot of these people would ask my advice about selling themselves. And you know, basically what they had figured out in their first year or two is hey, there's a big difference between corporate marketing and marketing my services, right? So, you know, I would give them advice. Eventually, I went beyond just giving informal advice and started charging people and having sort of a a program. I said, all right, well, guess what? It's time for me to start another business. I sort of already did. Um, That was the story. And that's what made me make the leap beyond just recruiting and essentially straddle two businesses at once, which I'm not sure if I really recommend to people. <laughs> That's what happened. So you've been doing this for a long time. What do you like about it? What makes you, you know, looking back on, you know, when you worked for companies or when you worked for that search firm, what, what makes you look back and say, I am so glad that I left that world and I'm doing my own thing? Well, I don't know if it's, if it's really true that most entrepreneurs are allergic to politics. And we talked about politics. But I, I really want to deal with real business issues. I don't want to deal with political issues. I just hate that stuff. And I'm, I'm terminally honest and outspoken. And you can imagine that doesn't fly necessarily in, in sensitive political situations. So I just absolutely love that I can be who I am and be pretty outspoken. And I don't have to deal with politics. I can deal with real issues. And it's not that they're necessarily more fun to deal with, but it's more true to my nature if you're dealing with real issues that are going to affect your business versus you know, tiptoeing around the politics. And I just love helping people in a personalized way that's focused on you know, getting them results versus your boss saying, well, how could you upsell, cross-sell, whatever. In other words, trying to squeeze out some more dollars to end the quarter stronger versus actually acting in the client's interest. So if I t- seem, seem a tad self-righteous, it's because I had some experiences that I'm sure people can relate to where – I just felt that the integrity wasn't quite where I wanted it to be. And what I don't like is the number of hours I work sometimes. And like I said, I, I made the choice to straddle two businesses. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that unless people are really comfortable with uh, maybe five or six hours of sleep a night. 
Um, and that's something I can do for a while, but I've also let it squeeze out exercise to some degree. And that's something I need to work on, you know, as I do that. So it's not easy, but it's, you know, it's certainly to me a lot better in, just in terms of resonating with my values. And that's enough for me right now. So you interview a lot of people on your podcast who are, you know, you mentioned you work with a lot of people who are solopreneurs, and, and that's where you do a lot of your consulting work is with sort of that small business or that solopreneur business. So I yeah. think, again, that's where a lot of people who are listening, I think they've either started that or they're dreaming. I actually get emails and phone calls from people who are like, I'm excited because of whatever guest I interviewed, because that's what I'm doing. I'm starting my side thing, and I want to do exactly what they did. And so I know there's a lot of people who are looking towards making that leap to being a consultant or a speaker or some sort of a solopreneur, what advice do you have for somebody who wants to make that leap that you made 15 years ago? Well, I, I think the, the biggest issue, and I, I don't hear a lot of people talking about this, but the biggest issue is you really have to know, I mean, really know the mindset of the people you're going to be selling your services to, the, the market that you want to serve. And I think personally, and I'll use the phrase marketing research and before people like tune out as in, boy, that's boring. Um, you have to just get to know that market and understand the mindset so that you can speak to it in an intelligent way. And you can understand, okay, can I really bring unique value to them, value that they, they really want and that's hard for them to find? And if you can't do that, uh, you're, you're probably going to fail. Honestly, you'll burn out eventually. It'll just be an up, up, you know, some people like rolling a huge heavy rock up a hill every day. I don't, <laughs> um, you know, it's hard enough to develop new business, but if you're not focused on the right market or market segment, it's just so much harder. So I would say, know what market you want to serve inside out. Uh, at that point, sales skills will be secondary. I mean, you can sell reasonably well, you'll be fine. But if you aren't serving the right market and where some of those factors exist that are going to make you successful, uh, I don't care how good you are at selling. It's still going to be a struggle. Well, and I hope listeners really resonated with what you just said, because I think you hit on something that a lot of people don't really bring up. And that is, you know, knowing the mindset of the person who's buying from you and, and what you're really providing for them. And it made me it hit really close to home because in the world of professional speakers, a lot of my peers get really caught up in what they're giving to the audience. But it's not the audience who hires them. There is this entire subset of people out there who are, some, by the way, some of the hardest working people I've ever met are people who organize meetings, the meeting professionals, the event professionals who are out there. And people think, well, this is what I give to their audience. They don't under, you know, that meeting professional doesn't understand me. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. The meeting professional is the person who hires us. You know, the audience is secondary. I mean, you want to do a great job when you're on the stage. But, you know, when you were talking about what you talked about, it really hit close to home because I have a lot of peers who don't understand that that meeting planner is the person who they really have to understand their mindset. And I bet, you know, as you were saying that, I thought, wow, that's my business. But I bet that's true in every industry. People misidentify who their customer is or they don't give enough, you know, credence to what that customer needs. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, I'm sure within your industry, there are a lot of different market segments. And some of them are really a great match for you. And others would be a stretch. You know, you may, for example, be really excited about talking to multi-level marketing organizations, or you may be, uh, no, you know, <laughs> and, and so on. I mean, there's so many different niches that are right for somebody, but 
you know, we, we, we're not somebody. We're, we're a specific person. Well, and when, but, I, get, uh, when I get hired yeah. to coach someone who wants to become a speaker and they want, you know, my 10 years of industry experience, you know, one of the first things I ask them is, is who do you speak to? And if they say, everybody, everybody could be, my topic works for everyone. And I, I have a pretty industry agnostic topic dealing with the whole idea of your network, your brand, and getting more out of the conference that you're at. But the truth is, it's not right for every audience. I mean, it's good for a lot of them, but you know, even, even mine, which is broad, isn't everybody's my potential client. And so when I hear that out of someone's mouth, I automatically know we're probably not going to be able to work together because you bring it up, and that is you have to know where you're the right fit and where you're not the right fit. Oh, completely. And there's that old saying, you know, you want to be everything to somebody and not something to everybody. And that's really how you create value. When, when someone says in their, you know, in the back of their mind, wow, you're a rare bird. Where have you been all my life? You know, <laughs> that's the kind of market you want because of your tone, because of how you treat the subject of networking, for example. But yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, Stephen, you're giving great advice and I've got some more questions for you. But first, I got to thank our sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content and growing your audience and interviewing cool people like Stephen Leahy. For an exclusive offer that they have for the listeners of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, visit podfly.net slash cool things. And I always say I chose them out of a big field of a lot of production companies because when I met with them, I asked them a lot of tough questions and they gave really good answers. And now almost a year into it, they have been fantastic to work with. So I can't say enough things. And I appreciate the fact that they saw enough value in this show to become a sponsor of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So Stephen, what is it that you're doing in your business now that's cool? Well, I, I launched my new website not too long ago. Congratulations. By the way, it looks great. Yeah, no, it was, it was really kind of exciting. And it was, it was a long time coming because I, I took it a step at a time and I really, really thought it through. And as part of that process, I was also creating sort of in tandem a workbook. And the workbook is called Expand and Improve Your Client Base. So basically, do you want more and better clients? And if the answer is yes, it's probably a good tool for you if you're a solo professional who sells services to other businesses. And so the process I lay out in the workbook is really all about, as we were talking about, focusing your sales and marketing efforts on the highest potential clients. And just let's stop spinning our wheels and trying to serve everyone because you, you can't do it. And it's, it's not a winning strategy. So and my goal for people who complete the workbook is that they have a crystal clear understanding of how to target and acquire uh, truly ideal clients. And um, by the way, I did set up a special link so that your listeners can uh, access it. So if you want to access the Expand and Improve Your Client Base workbook for free, it's a download. You can do that. And I'll give this twice. It's expandandimprove.com forward slash cool. So expandandimprove.com forward slash cool. So obviously that's cool in honor of your podcast, Tom. We By the way, that. I don't think I'm particularly cool, but maybe your podcast makes me more cool now that I've been on your podcast. I was going to say now, like when you when you go <laughs> home tonight, you can tell all your, you know, your, your wife, your kids, your friends, your neighbors, you can tell everybody I'm cool because I was on, at least I'm doing cool things. 
Or at least temporarily cool. Maybe there's right. a, maybe it wears off and then I have to be back on again. I'm not sure. I have to replenish I, my cool. I was interviewed nuts. on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, which is proof that I'm an entrepreneur doing cool things. I think that I think I should have little badges printed up for everybody. Proof that I would, I'm doing you cool know what? things. I would wear a badge. I would do that. <laughs> Some free advertising, free T-shirt. I'm always up for that. <laughs> so anyway. I think in addition to doing cool things themselves, I think some of the best entrepreneurs are observers. I think really good entrepreneurs are watching what other people are doing out there. But sometimes we get caught up in this world where all we ever do when we come on shows like this is talk about ourselves. So I love to ask my guests, what's something you see somebody else doing where you think, wow, they're crushing it? Well, I am so impressed by uh, this particular sales trainer. And I've, I've taken a lot of sales training. I've read quite a few sales books and you know, much of it uh, is, is pretty good. There's a guy named Ian Altman. It's A-L-T-M-A-N. And his latest book is called Same Side Selling. And um, I've told him and I, I've told anybody who will listen who sells services, it is probably the most powerful sales book for people who sell services that I've ever seen. And it's, it's incredible how artful this book is put together so that it makes very complex topics easy to grasp, easy to learn from, and easy to apply. And so, you know, I, I rave about very few books, but Same Side Selling by Ian Altman is it's just a game changer. And I'm, I'm excited because whenever I, when I discover new ideas, I'm always trying to figure out, all right, well, how can I use this? How can I use this? And I've started to use it, and it really works. So there you go. There's my little cheerleader speech. I think people, if they're readers – uh, and they sell. They, they really should get Same Side Selling by Ian Altman. Excellent. So I also think that in addition to being good observers, I think great entrepreneurs want to leave a mark that goes beyond their business. So I love to ask people, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Well, I, um, I started out right out of college briefly in the nonprofit world. And then, as I mentioned, I moved to Dale Carnegie a few years out. And I was fundraising. And so I have, I have this, uh, in the back of my mind, this desire to affiliate with a good cause. And I guess if I'm honest, almost everything I do, I consider a cause. And uh, Hunger Action is a cause that really uh, motivates me because uh, you and I were talking before we recorded the podcast. And I said, you know, if your kids are hungry, nothing else matters. And um, Feeding America is an organization that I got exposed to a few years ago. And I just got so excited about what they were doing. They actually work with some of my uh, clients. Uh, I recruit for large food companies. And some of the largest um, food companies in the world donate just millions and millions of pounds of food, which Feeding America then distributes to hundreds of regional food banks all across the country. And through Feeding America, I uh, connected with my, my local uh, food bank. Well, it's a regional food bank. It's based near me. And I started to donate, and I started to volunteer there, and I've just met so many amazing, I just would say deeply good human beings there. And I don't know about you, every once in a while, I just want to be around people like that, because it's easy to get cynical, and um, you know, they inspire me to be a better person and just kind of renew my faith. So that's what I'm involved with lately. See, and I love that because I, I do agree that what we talked about that, you know, if your kids are hungry, you can't get anything, you know, you're not going to be able to get anything to the next level. That's the, the, the sort of basic need is to make sure your family's fed. But you bring up such an interesting point that when you volunteer, 
you get yourself around people who, who lift you up, maybe not even directly and maybe not intentionally, but the type of people who are going to show up and be volunteers at your food bank or, or really any great cause that you can get behind usually aren't selfish jerks, right? The people who are showing up who are being there are usually they have that giver's soul. And, you know, I think so often I find it when I talk to entrepreneurs, especially sometimes younger entrepreneurs, and I ask the question of, you know, what are you doing to give back to the greater good? They say, oh, I don't have time yet. I'll do that when I make it. And I think a lot of it is you got to sow those seeds early so that it's part of part of who you are. And so I think you win if you're someone who gets out there and finds a cause that you can support. And it's not always just time and money. Sometimes it's good vibes. I mean, are you, you know, if you have a cause that one of your friends is involved with, are you going out on social media when they have their big fundraiser and sharing it? You know, I do a fundraiser every year for our children's hospital uh, for their cranial facial surgery uh, research arm. And I have a couple of friends who not only donate money, but maybe it's only 10 bucks or 15 bucks, but they go crazy on their social media saying, check out this cause. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, it used to be people followed links, nobody clicks on it and stuff like that. But the fact that they go out of their way to tell their network, check out my friend's cause, that's what I call giving good vibes. They don't have to donate time or money. They're just giving that moral support. It makes it easier for me to go out and do the work I have to do if I know somebody's saying, I'm supporting you. And so I think what you're talking about, about getting involved at national or local level and showing up and getting around those people, I think it just, I think it just sparks your soul when you're around those givers. Yeah, it really does. And you know, for me, uh, again, knowing myself, I think that's a big theme too for business. We need to know ourselves. Um, part of keeping myself upbeat and, and motivated is I do need to find those situations where, you know, it can kind of counteract the uh, the evening news, what I read in the paper, you know, all the nonsense that's kind of condensed. And, uh, you know, do I want to keep up on politics and so on? Yes, maybe unfortunately, but yes, I, I do follow <laughs> politics. Oh, come on. We're getting and, into the we're getting into the fun part. We're coming into well, the presidential to, election you need season. To balance it out. You know, you really do. And I think that makes me a better father. And, you know, my my daughter knows that I do this. My wife is involved in uh, some of her own things. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it, it just makes me a better person. So in a way, it's it's just as selfish as it is alt- altruistic. Um, you know, it's part of how I feel good. And life is I want to do something like that. And we sort of, you know, we are we are what we do to some degree, I think. You can only argue that you're the person you want to be and sort of conceptually argue that. But if you don't do anything along the lines of your values, then are you? <laughs> That's a good question, right? Well, and I think, you know, when we really look at the people who've left a mark, you know, I think they've done more than just build big businesses. I mean, if you look at what Gates and Buffett have done with their pledge to leave most of their fortune to charity, you know, I, I think that goes a long way. And if you go back and, you know, look at what Carnegie did, you know, with all of, you know, founding universities and, and, and arts things and, and museums and things like that. Otherwise, would we really remember his steel company in, you know, in a world where, you know, steel's been offshored and, and isn't necessarily, you know, something huge in America? You know, maybe, maybe not. But there's more to it than just building the, the giant business. I think that to be a whole person, you have to find that way to give back. So I think, you know, you hit on it exactly right. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. That's a great point. So, Stephen, I want to thank you for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And I want to give you a minute again to give your website and to tell people how they can find you. Maybe they're maybe they work for a big company and they've got a, a big hire they have to make and they need an executive search firm. And they said, hey, you know, let's throw this guy into the mix. Or or maybe they need another good podcast besides this one to listen to and, and they want to check out yours. Give everybody a little a little direction on how to find you. Well, because your podcast is focused on uh, entrepreneurs or people who want to be 
I'll, I'll say focused on uh, the tool that I that I uh, mentioned earlier. I created this tool called Expand and Improve Your Your Client Base, and it really is a workbook. It's an interactive tool, and I will just offer this to them, your, your listeners, for free at expandandimprove.com forward slash cool. And so get that. And of course, if you want to visit my website and check out my blog and my podcast, you know, I encourage you to do that too. And that's stephenlahey.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-A-H-E-Y.com. Excellent. Well, again, thank you for being here on the show. And we look forward to having you back another time. For those of you who tuned in and listened, I really appreciate the audience. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that you got a little nugget of information or inspiration from listening to Stephen. And come back in a couple of days. We'll have another interview with somebody equally as cool. And we're going to have episode number 100 coming up in a couple of days. You know, mark your calendar for, you know, next week and tune in and listen to whatever I may do for episode number 100. But in the meantime, go on out there. Have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.